0: You're listening to the Money Web Now podcast series with Simon Brown. live streamed every weekday at 6:30 a.m It's
1: Tuesday, 17 January. Chinese annual GDP 2.9% released this morning. Across the board, data was weak, a bit better than expected. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg on the show today. Chatting with Matete Talari from RMB. I want to touch on gold above 1900 uh, and maybe the miners. Is, is opportunity there or is gold just best left alone? Lilla Krugel from PwC, World Economic Forum at Davos. The president isn't there, but they a bunch of others. What is our hopes to get? out of the event. Mitch Adams from Aon uh, Creative Technology, venture builders, companies that build other companies. This show is brought to you by Stanlip. Visit stanlip.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. The phase on bot now able to take on crypto asset complaints. This follows the classification of crypto assets as a financial product. And from business day, SA plans to end load shedding in 12 to 18 months, says finance minister. Uh, of course, that is better than what... Uh, Sorry, worse than what Greater Matasha's 6 to 12 months. I wonder if they're both just not throwing random numbers around. Morning markets. U.S. was closed last night for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Asia mixed. Sydney down 0.1%. And Tokyo up 1.2%. Commodities red overnight. Gold, 1,912. Brent, 84.53. Platinum, 1,067. Palladium, 1,751. Rand weaker, 1,705. Bitcoin unchanged, 21,100. Tencent is trading down 0.9% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And Top 40 opening call, looking for a 440 point red open, that is 0.6% weaker.
0: MoneyWeb now on The Money. Also available on podcast.
1: Standing now with uh, Matete Tulare, he's head of FX execution at RMB. Matete, I appreciate the early morning time. I know you're more of a of, of a currency guy than a gold guy, but I think every South African's got at least a bit of an eye on gold. As a rule, it certainly ran fairly hard over the course of sort of the end of the year into January, trading above a thousand nine hundred. We've seen the gold miners running fairly hard over the last couple of months. Is this a, a, something where you, where you think perhaps there's some opportunity or? Gold, one of those best left alone.
0: Good morning, Simon. I suppose if you think about it, I mean, uh, we've held near an eight-month high. These are levels last seen in April 2022. And I mean, obviously, the focus this week is really going to be about the USA giving us clues about what potentially the Federal Reserve will be thinking. I mean, if you think about how gold has rallied in the past two months, to more than 1,900, as you said. I mean, the speculation is obviously that the Fed is going to start easing the pace of interest rate hikes. I mean, some of the data that we're expecting from the U.S. includes the retail sales numbers and PPI numbers, which are due tomorrow. Mm. And I think this obviously is going to provide some sort of insight in, as to whether um, inflation is starting to come back in. And obviously, there will also be some Fed officials that will also be giving. Um, you know some sort of press announcements and releases, etc. So already we've seen two regional bank presidents from the Fed um, advocating for smaller hikes going forward. I mean, already it looks like the market is expecting a 25 basis point hike um, at the next policy meeting from the Fed. So. If you think about last year, I mean, the central bank, the Fed central bank raised, um, you know, interest rates by 75 basis points four times last year before they slowed down in December by 50 basis points. Now, obviously, lower rates tend to be more beneficial for gold um, mm. as they decrease the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset, which is mm. gold price. But, I mean, as you say, I mean, um, if you think about the local miners, I mean, 1,900 and obviously their production costs Coming in between, anywhere between 800 and 900, that is really decent margin and profit for them. Uh, I mean, you look at the likes of Goldfields, et cetera, that is obviously going to yield quite significantly for them. And I think if we still stay on this trajectory, um, it also helps the finance minister in terms of, uh, you know, the, the fiscal base, because I mean, obviously, those tech mm-hmm. revenue numbers that we saw um, two years ago at the height of COVID, that Burdened well for national treasury, so I suppose it's also just a case of also, as you said earlier, if Gwede Mantashe and also Minister Gorongwane and Travil Gwamane, in terms of especially load shedding, if we you know don't see any sort of improvement on that, I mean that will obviously impact the local mining houses. But nonetheless, I mean if you think about how um, you know what's happened in the, in the in the commodity space locally, I mean the rally in the precious metals has obviously bolstered the outlook. South African equities. I mean, given the country's significant exposure in the platinum and palladium, I mean, if you just look at platinum also, that's also a stage of strong recovery. I mean, it's risen 15% over the past two months, um, which has obviously helped even the likes of Impala Platinum as well. So don't discount all of these things. I mean, yes, gold is obviously at really great levels, but also, I mean, you know, now if we think about it, 1912, um, if anything, if we do break above to 1950, then 2000 is
1: definitely on the cost. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at Golden Rand, it's even stronger because, of course, although the gold price was higher back last year, as you mentioned, back in April, uh, the Rand was better. So, actually, looking fairly good. We'll leave it there. Appreciate the time. Mateta Talari, Head FX Execution at RMB. And that's our question today on LinkedIn and Twitter. Are gold miners a potential great trade for 2023? Certainly, they've had a good couple of months.
2: The question is, can they hold it? Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favour and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlib Kanyisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlibcom forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.
0: MoneyWeb now on the money.
1: Uh, chatting now with Luda Krugel from PWC, World Economic Forum at uh, Davos ongoing. Uh, president not there, but of course, South Africa has many other ministers and folks there. Lula, appreciate the early morning time. Before we get into some details, I mean, uh, the World Economic Forum and, and particularly this Davos meeting every January, it always it always seems to have almost as much scorn as anything else. You know, I've seen the, the 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 talk around how expensive tickets are, hotels, all those jets. There, yet it remains perhaps the the eminent, uh, preeminent uh, economic event every every year.
3: Uh, good morning, Simon. Yes, you, you're absolutely right. It um, it receives some negative negative criticism every year. Uh, from I would say, if I if I allow if I'm allowed to, <laughs>
4: um,
3: both both of the political left and right, you know, uh, both of mm. them having different views as to why um, this is not the right place to be. It's uh, it's often criticised as being elitist yeah. and you know focused on only big business and government and not accessible. To the general public, and it often also criticizes being a talk shop where there's a lot um, or where there's often the feeling that there's not a lot that comes from this and not a lot that is, is, is brought forward every year and, and really where, the, where we can see action. So that seems to be um, kind of the kind of biggest criticism that that it receives. but as you rightfully say, Um, It is probably one of the, and the single most, to to be quite honest, Mm. uh, economic event on the calendar every year, where um, business leaders, uh, governments, ministers, etc. get together. And I must be honest, I think similar to the criticism that a lot of other events uh, receive that are similar in nature, if we think about COP, and you can go on the the list uh, for global events, It's a similar feedback that we often get. I think a lot of what happens probably happens on the sidelines, you know, between businesses, between between governments, conversations that happen, and then we take that forward. And that's probably the biggest impact of these meetings.
1: Yeah. And, and being equally disliked, perhaps, is actually what the best thing for it, because it certainly <laughs> works. So, so, so the, the president uh, didn't go. He decided to, to look after the load shedding back home, uh, be that as it may. We've obviously got a team there. I mean, what, what is Team South Africa uh, hoping to achieve? I mean, are, are, are we there with, with, with real perhaps, perhaps tangibles that we can bring back? Or is it sort of more case of follow ups and, 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 and sort of light discussions?
3: Look, we are not there um, in perfect circumstances Mm -hmm. for us or for the globe, uh, because typically what we would want to see come out of this type of discussions is potential for investment and investment projects, uh, and that either being finalized or taken forward. And Team South Africa has not been the favorite, even for over the last couple of years, actually, at Davos. Uh, We've not... We've not been the one that everybody talks about, and there's there's various reasons for it. But I think in the current circumstances, if you look at what's happening globally, investors are at a point where they are a bit skittish, and they rather want to put their money where it is safe. They are waiting for a lot of the uncertainty to actually, you know, Become a, or, or us to move into a space where there's a little bit less uncertainty before they make those calls. So we're up against some pretty heavy headwinds. And then, of course, you mentioned why our own president is not there. Mm. Um, with the load shedding, that's not a perfect situation for South Africa. But um, at the same time, one of the, the key issues that we will probably be addressing and talking to business leaders about and with other governments is the funding of our net zero transition and green investment in in the country? It's something that has come for, you know, from COP 26, COP 27. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of money that we still need to secure. Um, according to uh, the the chair of the uh, uh, presidential climate change commission, we've only secured about 10% of the funding that we actually need. So there's about another. of that that we need. And that wouldn't all come from governments. Some of that will come from private sector investment. Some will come from development finance institutions. So I am sure that that would be a big focus, and especially given... Uh, the challenges that we have to see how we can actually use and attract investment to help us overcome
1: that. Yeah, and of course there's, there's our issue with around energy, but th- there's a global talk around energy. I mean, you know, this time mm-hmm. last year, uh, Europe would never have guessed the energy crisis they were facing. Truthfully, their winter was way better than expected, but, but energy kind of has to a degree kind of worked its way to the top of the agenda, which is not a bad thing.
3: No, um, and I think if you look at the World Economic Forum's global risk report that was published last week, um, these five current imminent risks that they have identified, or that business leaders and governments have identified, and energy, cost of living, food security, um, the geopolitical tensions, and I can't remember the fifth one, but that's that's oh, oh, climate change, mm. climate change and weather events. Um, those are all the, the, the current um, top five risks that businesses and governments feel that they are not only going to deal with, but they are actually dealing with and it is unfolding. So, yes, um, those the, the kind of discussions that I think is happening this year is a little bit different um, than what happened last year, actually.
1: We'll leave that there. That's Lulu Krugel from PwC. Appreciate the early morning insights.
2: There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager.
0: MoneyWeb
1: now on the money. Now, with Mitch and Adams, he's CEO of Aon Creative Technology. Mitch, we appreciate the early morning time. I note you put out recently a great point you make. Startup businesses fail primarily for two reasons, a lack of mentorship and a lack of funding. And it's almost as if the, the, the system, particularly the venture capital system perhaps, is actually not really geared to, to provide those to, particularly to the, the very young startups um, who perhaps are in in, in in most need of both mentorship and, and and funding.
4: Yes, 100% Simon, and thank you for having me and hello to your listeners. Um, I think the problem comes down to, to risk. It's, it's how South African investors look at risk compared to our overseas counterparts. Um, yeah, we, we're just a lot more risk averse in South Africa. So we don't have your true venture capitalist that's going to take a chance on somebody's idea. And uh, you end up finding that the criteria is You have to be running for two years and your revenue needs to be (laughs) around the ballpark of two million US dollars in a year, which means if you look at the stats, uh, most companies fail at year two. Mm. So 50% of companies fail at year two. That stat keeps growing um, to year three, year four, at year six, 98% of companies are failing. So, if these venture capitalists are setting a criteria of we will only invest in you after you've passed the two-year mark and you have revenue of two million US dollars, then they're really not taking uh, a, a gamble or a bet on the guys that that need they help. They're backing people that would have made it anyways.
1: Yeah, I take your point on that, that. That those who have survived that perilous first two years got to two million dollars of revenue. They they were well on their way. It, it, it's it's a de-risk scenario. You then talk around the know. idea of 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 venture builders and 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 and, yes. and you know, VBS as opposed to VCs and and and, and, and uh, completely. I mean, similar but different. And, and the key point here seems to be is to get in early and and particularly help people with skills. I know I've started businesses and when I start a business, I've got a skill, whatever it might be but there are a yeah. lot of other skills I don't have, and, and that's where that support can be absolutely changing.
4: 100%. So, yeah, So, but the thing with the venture builder, it, it comes down to a mandate. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. So the mandate can be decided by the venture builder. They've noticed a certain problem in a society or a country or a region, and then they say, let's set out to solve this problem. Step one is let's find somebody that's on this journey already and analyze if they are best poised and the best people to, you know, solve the problem. And that would be finding an existing startup in an early stage. Once you find that person, you then partner with them, give them a little bit of seed capital to help them become independent of whatever is stopping them from giving the full focus to this problem. That could be a day-to-day job. That could be the living conditions, all of that. And then, it's just equipping them with the right access to the right skills. So if they need HR, if they need legal, if they need business strategy, marketing, all of that, just come into the party of that and even office space and, and travel. Uh, secondly, if nobody in the country or in the region actually is focusing on this problem, the venture builder then decides to take it on themselves. Mm-hmm. So They will build that product from the ground up and start building a team as well, identifying individuals who have a particular skill set that could work in that company and then hiring them, basically selecting founders and building a team from that. So that is from uh, a point where the venture builder sets out to solve a problem. But these can also be mandated by corporates that want to get into, let's say, FinTech or even VCs themselves. So VCs and venture builders, I think, is the best partnership we could have to take all startup uh the, the entire ecosystem to another level in South Africa.
1: And I hadn't thought of it, when I mean, you put it that way, as a venture builder. You, you, there's an opportunity out there. You you go hunting for a a, a a startup that's in that space. If there isn't, you say, instead of just saying, oh, well, a missed opportunity, you say, oh, well, let's make that happen. Let's put together a team. Let's, you know, literally, as you say, build this from from, from, from ground zero.
4: Yes, 100%. And uh, just on the VC partnership aspect, mm. Um the VCs have created a problem. I'm going to use some wildlife uh, analogy, since we have a tiger running around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's imagine there's, there's a water hole, and the startups are all these animals coming to the watering hole, and the VCs are obviously the tiger looking for the prey. Because of the way that they pick out the strong ones, there's only weaklings at the water hole, and, mm. um, and, and it's not enough of a meal for them. So they are starting to starve themselves. Not only are they starving, there's a bunch of VCs all fighting over the same strong animal that ever comes to the watering hole. So what they need is something like a zookeeper that comes there and actually tends to these animals, makes them stronger, and gets them VC ready. And that's what we're doing as venture builders. We come in, start from ground zero, or taking somebody very early stage, taking them past that two-year mark, and then going to the VC and saying, there you go. They mark they, they match your criteria. So yeah. you can take them, it's both within your risk profile. We're not asking them to change the risk profile. It would be great. But um yeah, we, we should try to complement it.
1: I'll take that point, I like it and I like the tiger. Apparently the tiger got a reindeer. Crazy things happening down in the south of Johannesburg. Mitchell Adams, CEO of Aon Creative Technology, appreciate the early morning. <laughs> Uh, That's it for today. Yesterday, we were chatting with Sanisha Pakwisami from Momentum Investments. Bullish view on local equity, a view that was held by many. And we asked, are you bullish on the local market? Almost half of you said yes, but in places. Uh, A third said not at all, and the rest saying very much so. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. The show is brought to you by Stanlip. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, and Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. We've got Dr. Rulof Bota. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.